Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we take the Word of God and preach a timely message from the pulpit of Victory Baptist Church of Fallon, Nevada. Genesis 1-1. Well, that's a good place to start. That's at the beginning. Uh, We're going to start a series this morning called Worshiping Through Work, Connecting Sunday Worship with Monday Work. Uh, The first thing that we're going to look at uh, this week one, that's going to be part one and part two, is the origin of work. You know, everyone loves a good origin story. If I find a superhero that I really just like, I like to find out uh, about their origin story. One of my favorite superheroes is Spider-Man. And even though they've made three live-action versions of the character in the series of movies, they all start with the same origin even if they put a slightly different twist on each one. His origin always begins with the same thing, a spider bite. Why is it important to know the origin of something? It gives you the background story. It helps you understand why their story is important. And it gives you information to what makes them who they are. It may actually help you judge them better in a better light once you know more about them rather than what you just see on the surface of the here and now. Have you ever stopped to ask someone about their work? Many people look at work as a necessary burden, something that has to be done in order to pay the bills and to support their families. But beyond that, they don't find joy in their work or fulfillment. They're just going through the motions. This will be a series of messages that I hope will encourage you to worship God through your vocation, no matter what type of vocation that is. So what better way to start the series than worship through work, connecting Sunday worship with Monday work, than to look at the origin of work. We have to look where work starts. And the very first thing we see, number one, this morning, is... Everything started with work. Genesis 1-1. You know, really, you could go to the, the book of Genesis and look at the first five chapters of Genesis, and you would find the origin of everything else that's in the Bible. It, 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 it has the gospel in it. It has the purpose of man in it. It has worship in it. It has every purpose that God has given us as people in those first five chapters of the Bible. The rest of the Bible just takes off that origin story and continues to build the story as we go along. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We see that everything we know today started when God created. Creation is a form of work. It's a word of action. Now, maybe you think, well, didn't God, God didn't physically work, did he? He he spoke things into creation. Even if you think that God only spoke things into existence, does it make it anything less than work? I'll I'll just be honest. As a pastor, I'm up here preaching. I'm speaking. Do you know what I do when I go home on Sundays? I go take a nap. You know why? 
because I worked. And I'm tired and I'm worn out. So even God speaking all things into existence was work. What is the definition of work? Work is an activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or a result. Did God not mentally think of all of creation to have a result? He worked. God was involved mentally when he created. We see in Genesis chapter 1 that God mentally worked and imagined everything perfectly into existence. We see that the order of things being made were important. On day 1, God created light before anything else. Why? Because light is important to life. If you don't have light, you don't have life. Day two, God created water, which was also important to life. You can't live without light, and you can't live without water. Day three, he created land so that plants could grow. Because without dirt, how would the plants grow? And on that same day, he created herbs and plants and grass, which is important for animal and human life. He creates everything in an order for a purpose. He created light. Why? Because it was necessary for life. He created water. Why? Because it was necessary for life. He creates plants and herbs. Why? Well, he had to create the light and the water first because if he didn't, the plants would die. But he creates the plants for the creations that's to come. Day four, he creates the sun, the moon, and the stars so that the earth would have seasons and times, which is important for man to know how and when to plant. Day five, he creates all the sea life and the birds, but notice he waited to do this until all the other preparations had been made. The light, the water, the plants, the sun, moon, and stars. Now he begins to create life. Day six, he created all the land animals and mankind, but this time, uh, by this time, all the plants and the herbs and the fruits has been made so that these land dwellers could thrive on them. So God indeed did work as he imagined this world and then spoke most of it into creation. Well, you just said he spoke most of it. Didn't he speak everything into life? No, because you know what? God got his hands dirty. God got his hands dirty. We don't just see that God used his imagination when creating the world. We see also that he got his hands dirty in Genesis 2 and verse number 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. We see that God came down to earth and he formed man with his hands out of the dust of the ground. He got his hands dirty. God didn't just speak everything to existence. He got his hands dirty. God used his hands to form man. He worked with his hands to form the most wonderful, special part of his creation, 
one formed after his own image and created to worship God. All of creation brings glory to God, but man's express reason for being created was to worship God. Genesis 2, 21 through 22. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto the man. So not only do we see that God got his hands dirty when he created Adam, but he also did so when he created Eve. He removed one of Adam's ribs and sewed him up and then created Eve from that rib of Adam. So if God got his hands dirty in order to form his most precious creation, and our whole purpose of why he created us was so that we would freely worship him, do you see where we're going? Why work should be a form of our worship to him? Worshiping through our work. Not only did God get his hands dirty, but God provided a special place for Adam and Eve. He also got his hands dirty by creating this special place for Adam and Eve. See, a lot of times when we think about him speaking everything into creation, we think, well, that's all he did. But look uh, back in Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And the Lord God... What's that word say? Planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, where, where did he form this? Out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So not only do we see that God got his hands dirty when he created Adam and Eve, he also got his hands dirty when he planted a garden especially for Adam and Eve. See, a lot of times when we hear the creation story, we think of the six days and we don't think what happened afterwards. We don't think that God actually created this special place apart from all of other creation. I don't know about you, but for a long time, I thought when God did his creation, I thought, well, that's all he did was create the Garden of Eden. No, he created the entire earth, and then he set aside a special place for Adam and Eve. And he placed them in there for what purpose? To worship him, but also to work. He didn't put a garden in the midst of his creation for it to just sit there and Adam and Eve have to do nothing. They were to tend to this garden. God took pride in his work, and he wanted to provide his greatest creation with a place to thrive and to grow, so he planted a garden. This seems to be a special garden that he created after all the other creative work was finished. Do you know that God has created a special place for you today. And you might be thinking, not the place I work. But God has you where you are for a reason. Does it necessarily mean that you're going to stay in that place all of your life? No, things can change in life. 
But where God has placed you, He has provided with you with the opportunity to worship Him through the way that you work. Not only do we see that God got His hands dirty, that God provided a special place for Adam and Eve, but all of creation is an expression of God's work. All of creation is, is an expression of God's work. Psalm 19.1 The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. Although the Word of God, uh, all throughout the Word of God, and especially in Psalms, we see time and time again that the work of creation expressed not only the work of God, but it brings glory to God. It's like an artist. Uh, we, um, at the school, uh, we're doing an art class on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and our students are getting on a, a website, and it's called um, Paintings to Go, like Van Gogh. And, uh, and they're learning to paint different things. Uh, the first time they, they paint, uh, painted a picture called Fireflies. And you know what? Uh, you, you watch this video and you watch this artist. They take you step by step on how to paint this painting. But everybody's painting comes out a little bit different. But it's their work. It's their handiwork. I, I know one of the students, Aaron, painted a picture. And uh, Miss Penny said, man, that was amazing. That picture he brought home, I didn't know he had that creativity. But when we look around all of creation, we see God's work. We see his handiwork. And he put pride and joy into that work. And you know what? He desires for us to put pride and joy into the work that he's given us to do. We also see that God is the supplier and provider for all creation and for all mankind. Uh, turn your Bibles over to Matthew, and we'll, this will, uh, we'll have one other passage we'll look at, but Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Of course, the verses will be up here if you don't have your Bible or you want to read off the screen. The verses should be here on the screen. But Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse number 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even as Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, 
What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewith shall we be clothed? So, we see from this passage of Scripture, Jesus is, is coming to the close of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus expresses that God provides for people just as He provided for nature itself. And even better than He does for nature. He's a loving Father who holds mankind dear to His heart. This is even so much more true if the believer lives their life for the glory of God. See, God provides for all mankind. We're, we're, we're actually going to find this as we go through this series. We're going to learn of a doctrine called the common good. Because God shows common good to all mankind. All around the world. In every place. He shows common good to all of us. Why? Because we're His handiwork. He loves His creation. We see from this passage, He takes care of the birds. He takes care of the flowers. He takes care of the plants. He takes care of all those things. Why? Because He wants those things to bring glory to Him. Now, sometimes we get flowers, and we try to take care of them, and they don't do too well. We do not have green thumbs in our home. Uh, we, we've tried to grow things, and it just doesn't work. Now, we can grow goat heads really good. And we can, we, can grow, uh, we, can, we can grow tumbleweed really good. Isn't that strange? You know, you look out in my yard, and you're like, oh, look at all those pretty, oh, those are goat heads. But you know what? God, if he cares about things without a soul, that much. How much more does he care about us? Why? Because he worked to create us. But, but he only created Adam and Eve. No, he created us. And, and you might look at your life and say, well, I don't understand why he created me. I don't know why he made me the way that I am. Does God do anything by mistake? God fashioned you exactly the way that he wanted to. And in Psalms it tells us, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God created you exactly who you are. Your character traits, your personalities, your physical flaws, your physical beauty. He created you as his handiwork because he loves and cares about you as his work yes you he cares about you he didn't make any accidents he made you exactly who you are but he also made you with a purpose sin has ruined that purpose but sin doesn't have to keep you from that purpose. The purpose that he created you for was to glorify him. And while glorifying him and loving him is to share that love with others. But before you can live in the purpose that God has given you, you have to know Christ as your Savior. You have to know him 
personally. Now, there's common good in your life. You see provision in your life. That's common. But God says He wants to give even more to you. In Philippians 4.19 it says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But in order to receive all of those needs that are in your life, you have to know Christ as your Savior. This is a promise for believers. Notice, though, that God doesn't say that He will supply all your wants. He promises to supply all your needs. And notice, by which we are receiving these needs is by Christ Jesus. If you don't know Christ Jesus today, you can. We would love to show you from the Word of God how you can know Christ as your Savior. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here in just a few minutes. You know, the Psalms also tells us that God provides for the righteous. You see, there's the common good that's given to all mankind. There's a common good. But God specifically enjoys providing the needs of those who have followed Christ Jesus. And God specifically provides things for those who are living righteously. Psalm 37, 23 through 26. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. I know that some, right now, in our congregation, are going through some hard things. There are some supplies, there are some things that they need in their life. But there's a beautiful promise here. He says, if you will live for me, I will supply for you. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Can I tell you? There might be times that we have very little. But according to this, if we are trying to live for God, he said, you'll never have to beg for bread. You'll never have to beg for the needs that you have. Just trust me, and I'm going to supply those things. And the likelihood is, if you're having to beg, it's probably not a need. Because he said, I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor my seed begging bread. Why? Because he is merciful and lendeth and his seed is blessed. So we see the first part of this origin of work starts with God. Next week we'll pick up the second point. Everything continues with work. Everything started with work and everything continues with work. That's where we'll pick up next week. But I want to come back